Coming live from Dallas, Texas is Amanda from Cresco International. You know they say everything's bigger in Texas, and that includes the stars we bring on our show. Here today we have with us Rob Thomas, the general manager of IBM Analytics and author of the recently released AI Ladder, a guide to demystifying AI for companies. Cresco CEO Sanjeev Dada and Cresco VP of Services Kenny Mobley are here today with us to discuss Rob's book and get his take on all things AI. We can't wait for y'all to hear the great insights from these analytics experts. I'm going to hand it over now to Sanjeev and Kenny to kick us off. Great, Amanda, thank you. And Rob, a very big Texas welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining our very first podcast. Great to be here. Uh, glad to speak with you guys. All right. So, Rob, uh, first question. Uh, congratulations on 20 years at IBM. Uh, we've all read your book. It's uh, very impressive. It's, it's a great read. Um, tell us about the AI ladder and how did you come up with this term? You know, what's interesting about the AI market is it's the largest opportunity any of us will ever see in our lifetimes. McKinsey said it will add $16 trillion to GDP by 2030. And even if that's off by an order of magnitude, I think we can agree that's a huge opportunity. Despite that, adoption of AI is less than 10%, according to Gartner. So huge opportunity, very little adoption. The question obviously is why? And my view is there's three reasons for that. One is data. Data is hard to find, hard to use, and it restricts the, the use of AI. Skills, meaning organizations don't have all the data science skills they need to be successful. And third would be trust, meaning there's a little bit of apprehension on the whole topic of AI. The AI ladder in the book that you mentioned is really about a methodology or a roadmap for companies to use to get AI into production. So to help speed their adoption from how they think about their data, how they think about data practices, building a data strategy, and then ultimately putting AI into production. So the rungs of the ladder, it's much like it sounds. It's about, there's different steps and you don't have to go through them in order. Some companies have already done two of the rungs and just need to do a third. But the rungs of the ladder are data collection, organization, data analysis, and then infusing AI into your organization. So four basic rungs of the ladder. The challenge is to think about where you sit as a company today and which is the area that you need to focus on. We hear a lot about Watson Anywhere. Can you elaborate on what IBM's R&D and engineers have built? Let's just decompose first what Watson is. Um, Watson is, one is it's a set of tools for companies that want to build their own AI. So think of it as a toolbox where you can kind of pick and choose what you want for building models, training models, getting models into production, and then ultimately managing the life cycle, explainability of models, bias detection models. So on one hand, it's a set of tools. Anybody can customize them to build their own AI. On the other hand, Watson is a set of applications where we've seen common business problems like customer support, like financial planning, like reg tech. And we've built a package solution 
that makes it really easy for the line of business to adopt AI. The thought behind Watson Anywhere is about taking both that tool chain I described, as well as the applications, and making those available wherever your data may be, whether your data is on-premise, on any public cloud, on a private cloud, because we've built Watson out on Red Hat OpenShift as the Kubernetes platform, it is now free to run wherever your data is. All right, so so that's that's the you know our next good question that we get a lot, and um, this is for the college students out there, the aspiring data scientists, right? So, you know, there's there's, there's a lot of conversation about AI at every different level um, at universities across the globe, and and even on, on the World Wide Web where there are a lot of these groups and, and, and uh, interests in, in AI. So what is the message that you would give to educational institutes that, uh, in terms of where do you start with AI? If, if you're a college student or if you're just getting into the job market, what are some of the skills to be maybe working closely with IBM or the business partner community or just working in an organization that wants to implement uh, AI solutions. When I mentor students, I talk to them a lot about, you know, regardless of where your ambitions lie, you know, maybe you want to do history or English or business or finance, regardless of that interest, I think to really round yourself out in this, what I would call a tech forward era that we live in, take some computer science courses. And if that piques your curiosity, maybe you go a step further and you're looking at things like statistics or even building models in Python. Python is really the, the language of, of AI models today and probably will be for the foreseeable future. So I just encourage people to think about how you build a broad set of skills that can start with computer science. It can expand to things like statistics and it can get really deep into things like Python or deep learning frameworks if the curiosity is really there. But I think just having a basic exposure to this is really important because as you see companies working in AI, the ones that are the most successful tend to combine a business person along with a technology person. And the more that they can kind of understand each other, where they come from, what motivates each other, the more successful they will be. What is the importance of building trust into your AI? I think inevitably, as companies get a lot of AI models into production, they're going to start to use that to automate decision making. And the minute that software is making decisions, almost regardless of what that decision is about, there's going to be a natural question of, okay, well, how was that decision made? Where did that data come from? Who developed that model? This idea of explainability, or the broader term I would use is lifecycle management, is understanding all of your AI models, how they're making decisions, where the data came from, who's had access to that data. And what we do with Watson OpenScale is we enable that capability, not just for models built in Watson, but for models built anywhere, an open source, any third party tool, because I think as companies get more and more models into production, everybody's gonna to want to be able to manage those models effectively, understand if there's drift in the model, 
or if something's not performing the way it should be. And so we just need to make it really elegant for data scientists to hook up their models to a common interface or a substrate, if you will, so they can understand what they're doing, why they're making the decisions they're making. One of the difficulties with introducing AI in a company is the resistance employees to the cultural and business model change it requires. Do you have any tips for how to overcome this resistance and have a smooth transition? I think the biggest resistance is cultural. While, while there are skill gaps, I think the bigger issue is how do you create an organizational, an organizational structure that has a, a data culture, if you will, or a culture that's going to make AI successful. And the way I describe that is, if you think about ERP implementations, for those of us that have been around for a while, those used to be huge investments, multi-year commitment to dollars. So everything was at stake in terms of project success. And a company could do at most one of those projects every few years. What's different about AI is you have to flip that on its head, which is I tell clients you should be doing 100 AI projects next year. And if you do 100 projects, half of them aren't going to work at all. But for the half that do work, then you keep going. And then you down select again. So it's about changing the cultural to be more of an iterative process to accept failure. Like failure gets you one step closer to a success is the way to think about it. And that's a big change for many organizations. So I think what that requires is you need tops down leadership. You need to talk about this idea. Hey, we're going to do a ton of projects. We already know many of them will not work, but, but that's okay. And if you take that mentality into AI, I think you'll find that you'll be really successful as a company. From your experience, where do you feel organizations are needing more handholding and technology assistance? when it comes to the different parts of the AI ladder? As you think about companies adopting AI, this, this is very different than what I'd call the consumer experiences of whether that's a talking, talking speaker or you know, Instagram classifying photos. In, enterprise AI is very different. I think the capabilities that will have a huge impact for enterprises are things like natural language processing, this is understanding language and documentation, clickstream data. Everything that goes into communication and enterprise can be encapsulated in NLP models. I think that's really important. I think automation is important. Using AI to automate the kind of tasks that people don't want to do in the first place so that you can shift people to higher value work that will you know, better impact clients. So NLP comes to mind automation comes to mind. Um, there's a lot of other potential areas, but I'd say those are the two that stick out to me. In Forster's predictions for 2019 regarding artificial intelligence, 60% of the decision makers at firms adopting AI cite data quality as the number one challenge when trying to deliver AI capabilities. You say that a data lake is the best way to help ensure the quality of your data. Can you speak a little bit about IBM's process for building a data lake? and how specifically it helps improve data quality? I think the term of data lake has evolved a bit. It was originally synonymous with Hadoop about five years ago. The way that I would say that's evolved is 
when I think about a data lake today, this is about how do you eliminate data silos. Most companies have hundreds, if not thousands of different places that they store data. And we think we tie those together using really high performance data virtualization so that those start to act as a single repository, even though data is actually physically spread out in many cases to different countries, different uh, locations. And once you've kind of created this data layer, then you can start to do things like catalog your data. And I'd say one of the main things every company is going to need over the next few years is a data catalog, which is basically explains where are all the different data assets in my company? What are the sensitive data assets? Maybe it includes credit card data, PII, something like that. And so the definition of a data lake in my mind is about how you create this fluid data layer, how you catalog the data so you can actually understand where everything sits. Because then once you have that, it becomes really easy to build models on top of that and train those models, which then helps accelerate how you get AI into production. So, so I'm I'm gonna ask you this question, Rob. So I'm more before I ask the question, I'm just gonna let you know. So Cresco obviously is an independent consulting firm. We build analytic solutions and AI solutions using technology. Now, what we like about the IBM stack right now, going from the BI uh, to the BI layer to the financial uh, planning and analytics to the AI structure, which which what we like to for this you know break down into like predictive analytics and optimization. So one thing that we really like about your technology is, is the ability for a client to integrate all these technologies into one, have an integrated solution that is talking to each other on IBM hardware, IBM cloud, whatever you, you know, IBM data center. But the value that you're bringing is the ability to do optimization. And as you mentioned a few times in the past, you know, going the AI ladder will also lead to, or part of it is the uh, decision optimization technology. And that's what we find very, very valuable. And where we've done implementations, we've seen amazing ROI for clients. So, so you're in a very good position right now. And when I say you're, I'm talking about all the IBM folks out there who are, who are um, positioning their technology to end clients. And clients who are actually using this technology too. So you have the AI layer, decision optimization, you've got governance wrapped around uh, all the different analytics products, you've got AI now embedded into a lot of your, your analytics products. Uh, uh, what's next for IBM? You know, where are we going next? We make a big investment in, in research in IBM, and I don't think any company can be successful in AI without big investments in research. One of the big I'd say unaddressed problems in the market today is around using AI to make IT better. You think about it, there's been all this focus on AI for the last couple of years, different use cases, most of which are line of business focused. We actually haven't used AI to make a CIO's job much easier. And that's kind of a forward-looking problem that we're attacking. We'll have more to talk about that as we get into to 2020, but that is one area that I think is very interesting. Secondly is, and you guys appreciate this with your services expertise, is a lot of 
AI or analytics projects start with a big ETL exercise, moving data around, clients don't really have a big appetite for that. So a lot of what we've done inside the cloud packs is instantiate services as microservices. So make it really easy to bring in different capabilities over time. And that really changes the trajectory of these projects where clients can get value much faster as opposed to having to start with a big data movement or, or data prep exercise. So those are two areas that we continue to advance really focused on as we enter 2020. Yeah, the whole, the whole multi-cloud environment, that's really something that we're seeing at the organizations and clients that we work with. Uh, it's being appreciated a lot because it makes life a lot more easier for organizations that are already down uh, the path of, uh, of an AI project and have multiple options and technologies from the IBM stack uh, and, and really like what you guys are doing with the Red Hat acquisition. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, I have one more question for you, Rob, and, and that is, let's say we go back 50 years, right? And, and if you can apply the technology that you have today to any industry that you want uh, with a goal to make the biggest impact uh, and, and the biggest change, what would that be for you? I think that's pretty straightforward. And it's kind of a, I'd say it's two things that are highly related, which is healthcare and government. If you think about it, those two industries have made very little progress in terms of productivity, efficiency, the ability to provide new services. And this is why healthcare continues to grow as a percentage of, of GDP in the US in particular. It just hasn't been as efficient as it could be. So you go back 50 years, you would start, you would kind of start from the ground floor and say, how do we use technology as healthcare advances, which obviously it has tremendously, how do we use technology to make it productive as we go? And that could also extend into things like government, because the two are highly rela related because much of healthcare is administered through government programs. Excellent, thank you for that. Rob, well, we've learned a lot about your thoughts on AI and technology today, but we don't necessarily know as much about you outside of work. So we'd like to end our podcast on a lighter note by learning a little bit about one of your hobbies that's unrelated to work. Oh, I got to pick one. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I love exercising. Uh, I watch a lot of college football. So love sports, especially SEC football. Yes, and, roll tide. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm a Gator. You're not going to get a, a lot oh. of the, the roll tide. Um, and I like cooking Southern food. I grew up in the South, so I make a lot of barbecue, other things like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, we really had a great time exploring your thoughts on AI and the AI ladder. And we can't wait until you release the full version of your book in the spring. Thank you, too, for our listeners for tuning in today. Join us next time when we discuss AI trends in Watson Studio with IBM product managers. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn under Cresco International and on Twitter at Cresco underscore INTL to stay up to date on the latest news in the analytics world.